Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, please gather around and grab the popcorn and your family and enjoy this fine podcast that is brought to you by the gentlemen at Controlling Quality Entertainment. Of an old movie with Fred Eastwood. It was either Every Which Way But Loose or Any Which Way You Can. He had a, in that movie, he had a, Sandra Locke was his girlfriend at the time, and so she was in both movies. And Clive, the orangutan. Yeah, yeah. It was in there, and there's this one where uh, his buddy who uh, drove the tow truck says, Yeah, this is, she's in, he picks her up and uh, he's driving the truck. He looks over, and next thing you know, there's this girl there, and that's his, uh, uh, his buddy's uh, pickup, and she stays with him for the rest of the movie. And says, "Oh, this is my girlfriend Echo, uh, my friend Echo." What? Echo? 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 So it's just stupid stuff that you. <laughs> hey, it's plenty of those movies, man. It's plenty of those classics. Yeah. Classic. I mean, yeah. we got him. We got him up here. We got yeah. him up there. Uncle Clint. Uh, Uncle Clint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I left the I left this uh, the frame cracked because I figure you know he's a he's a hard ass. He'd yeah, be like, he'd be like it's broken, just leave it. We don't just need leave it. it. We don't just need to fix it. Yeah, that's the whole purpose of having it. Glass is to show that I'm tough and I can be shown with a cracked cross. <laughs> right, but yeah, it's it's a pleasure to have you back, G. Um, this time we're in a more uh, open environment, if you will. Last time you were here, I would uh, I wanted to showcase you know. Your, your experience and law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, a lot of stories that a lot of people need to hear. Uh, they may not have heard otherwise. But right. today, we're here just to talk about anything, man. Talk about anything. But, you know, people, I, I got a few questions from some folks uh, who were asking and said, hey, you know, what's the difference in law enforcement? I mean, we see all these, you know, police station, well, police departments and sheriff's departments and highway patrol and mission game wardens and FBI agents and all these different uh Police agencies or law enforcement agencies, and you know what dictates who has who's who, or what's what. And it says, well, probably the simplest way to describe it is, whoever pays you, that's who you work for, and that's the police department or agency that you work for. So, let's say you're in the city of Roseville, and the city of Roseville pays you to be a police officer, so you are a Roseville police officer. Your jurisdiction basically is the city of Roseville. Sacramento, your jurisdiction is the city of Sacramento. But we have 58 counties in the state of California, and each one of those has a sheriff. And that sheriff, he's responsible for a couple of different things. Number one, he's responsible for patrol in that county. So his jurisdiction is that entire county. He's also responsible for the county jails. Mm -hmm. So when you go to jail locally, guess where you go? You go to the county jail. So that particular uh, county uh, sheriff. He runs the jails, and then they also usually, typically, also have responsibilities in the courts. Okay. So you see uh, some of the courts office, court officers there, and they might be working for the for the, the county. And uh, you have some others who also have some other responsibilities, but that's your county. So you have countywide, and then you go to the state. So that's why the Highway Patrol we have statewide jurisdiction. And yes, we can enforce the law in the city, uh, Roseville, Sacramento, wherever. We can go into the county areas and. and law enforcement there and anywhere in the state. I don't have to ask permission to make a stop somewhere. I can just do it. Now, throughout the state, if a police officer or a sheriff's deputy sees a crime, they can take action because they're still peace officers. 
But then what they'll do is they'll, you know, they'll initially report it, take some kind of action, and then maybe call the, the city or county that's responsible for the actual uh, crime, criminal activity to come in and cover that. And they'll take it over. And then you have the federal, the feds. The feds are like the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, you have the U.S. Marshal, you have the Secret Service. Now, you know, we talked earlier about what is the Secret Service originally, because right now the Secret Service is known for protecting the president, the U.S. Secret Service. But you know what their original purpose was? Their original purpose was to look for counterfeiters, people who are making fake dollar bills, fake money. That was their original purpose. And then later, when uh, they realized that we have to have some agency in the federal government to protect our president, uh, a lot of agencies said, well, they didn't really want to deal with that. And so the Secret Service ended up with it. And so it's actually to a degree, if you think about it, that's a, that was to their benefit. because They expanded their, their jurisdiction and expanded their duties. And they've got a pretty big budget just because you got to protect the president. So that's pretty cool stuff with that. So if anyone asks, who do I work? How do I you know, get a job for police or sheriff or you go to that city or that county or that state or the federal agency and say, I want to work for that particular agency. And that's how you would start your uh, venture into, if I want to get a career in law enforcement, to work for a specific agency. Okay. And uh, to talk about what you just said, yes, the Secret Service was created in 1865 to combat counterfeiting and fraud. At the time, this constituted uh, tracking down people, making fake U.S. bills, and arresting them. Um, but in shooting the shit's fashion, mm -hmm. you said that there are 58 counties in California. Is that correct? Correct. How many of those counties can you name? <laughs> Good question. I wouldn't <laughs> even try. I probably could do about 25, 30 of them. That, that's a lot. There is. I mean, because, like, I could tell you the nine Bay Area counties because my first, my, my, my first assignment was in San Francisco. And then in San Francisco, uh, after a few years, I worked for our, our division office, and the division office is a regional headquarters, and uh, there are the nine Bay Area counties, and so I had to know those nine Bay Area counties, and so that, that knocked off nine right off the bat for me, but uh, past that, then it's just kind of guessing. Uh, I mean, you know, you go to Los Angeles, and you hand, uh, rattle off a bunch of them, and then some of them are, some of these uh, counties are famous for, for certain things, like locally, yeah. Placer County Sheriffs, they have their own TV show, you know, for a while. Yeah, some other ones like Alpine. I just think of Alpine just because we're up north. You know? So you can think of some of those just because of, uh, you know, I want to go up, up north and live in God's country where you want to hunt and fish. Okay. Well, then something something a little less uh, extensive instead of the counties in California. How about how many Clint Eastwood movies can you name? <laughs> Good question. I love Clint. Uh, I think I can think of a number of them growing up. And then as I grow up, I can start rattling off because he had a bunch of them for the good, bad, and the ugly, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, those Fistful movies. of Dollars. Fistful of Dollars, a few dollars more for those movies. Then I remember the, the, the one with Fly, the orangutan, mm -hmm. you know, every which way it moves and uh, any which way you can. I can think of the Dirty Harry movies, mm -hmm. you know, and then I can think of like the Escape from Alcatraz. Oh, yeah, 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 that's, a that cool one. That's, cool a good, that's one. That's in the 90s. Yes, yeah. you know, and, and, and so you have those kind of movies and then. You know, I like the, the, that latest one where, where he was uh, uh, the mule. The mule, yeah. I love yeah. that movie. I thought that was really a cool movie. It was excellent. Yeah. It was excellent, yeah. I like that. He was a fun guy to watch from that one. 
And interestingly, I lived in the city of El Cerrito in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and supposedly he lived there for a while. Oh really? Yeah. Does so, he have a ranch or something? Yeah, well, and it wasn't a ranch, but it was it, it was in the about maybe about half mile from where I lived. Cause uh-huh. We lived on top of the hill uh, of, of the city of El Cerrito, and apparently he had a, a uh, you know a villa or whatever you want to call it, and he had an area there where he lived for for a little while out there. So people, as kids, you know, I'm I'm eight or nine and. Riding my bike at the park, and yeah, he lives. He lives over there, and so you know, all got excited. But I don't think we're ever going to see him here. But (laughs) but but it was kind of the word was he lived there for a little while, so that was kind of cool. Let's throw out a few more. So there is the Unforgiven, right? Right, and then the Outlaw Josie Wales. Yes, Um, spaghetti western movies. Uh, I, there, we did name Fistful and a few more dollars. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, 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 good, bad, the ugly. Oh, a few dollars more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the good, bad, and the ugly is like his original one. Uh, uh, what was the guy's name like Mario Leone or something like that? The yeah, yeah, something like that. And yeah, that's why they call it the spaghetti westerns. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You think you think people would say that now? Would you that be acceptable? What? I, I think it's a, it, you because know, you're not. It's not a. Uh, it's not offensive. It's, it's just in the, in the true sense of the word. You know. Okay, so what if, what if uh, now, hypothetically, hear me out though, if, if there were if there were Chinese westerns and they call them the Chow Mein westerns, would that be acceptable? I, I, I couldn't give you that one, but I will give you something that, that, that popped into my mind. Wait, I remember if it was like, when you did that one, that threw me off. The Chinese. <laughs> my apologies. Because <laughs> I, I was about to throw out this one great one for you, and now you threw my. Th- I, I lost my train of thought on that one. So give, bear with me. As, <clears throat> It'll come back. To it you. will come back to me. <laughs> but um, yeah, there. I mean, there are different uh, genres of movies that we all talk about as as what's offensive now, mm-hmm. and I, I always kind of laugh at, at some of it, not all of it. Because I get that some of them can can be because they they they. they Called the, some of the, the uh, kung fu movies. I always say kung fu because that's how we pronounce it mm-hmm. in Chinese. But you know, in, in American lingo, they always say kung fu movies. And um, you watch some of those movies, and, and they they kind of say the chop sake movie and, and things like that. I would always go back to in the 1972 73. Uh, they had a TV show called Kung Fu, and with David Carradine. David Carradine. You know, he was a white guy. Who when had no martial arts background, who got the lead, and you know all the all the all the players around him were Asian, except for the kid who played, and his name was Rad Para, something like that. He was Russian. He was actually mm. Russian, but you know, so the two primary uh, players in the in, in the TV show were were non Asian, and even they used David Carradine's brother, uh, I think it was Keith Carradine, in the middle. Between the two, in, in uh, for a few shots, mm. and so I used to laugh and said, "Wow, you know, the star can't be Asian, only the supporting cast." Mm. And so, would that be offensive now? Because that's one of the issues that people are are saying with movies that are coming out now is that they want it to be authentic. They don't want to see white people or Hispanic people playing roles of of something not of that of that race for that person. Now. You can also go back to here's a different kind of twist. Um, do you remember the movie An Officer and a Gentleman? It had Richard Gere. Uh, he's going to the Air Force uh, Academy or uh, Air Force uh, uh, 
boot camp, if you will, that he's going to be a pilot, kind of officer candidate school mm-hmm. is what he was going to. <clears throat> and the role of the, 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 the drill, instru- drill instructor was Louis Gossett Jr., okay, who's African American. But originally, there was a white, uh, a white actor who was going to play that, who was going to play that part. And then he put in, he, he said, I want to try out for this spot. And they saw him and they watched him and they said, oh, he's really good. I guess we don't have to have a fight now. We can have you know, an African-American uh, play the role. And so he went in there not because he was, you know, he was picked for the part, but he went in there and then turned out to be the best candidate for that role and ended up doing very, very well in doing an outstanding job in the movie. Now, now the role the role was for uh, a white person, or mm-hmm. is it based off of a, a real person who was it, white? It, well, I don't think the movie was a, a real movie. It was just uh, based off of anybody. It was just a, a fictional uh, characters. But okay, I just asked because I haven't I haven't seen the movie. Okay, yeah, it's a it's a uh, was a Deborah Winger was the love interest in that one. Okay, and uh, it's a, it's an older movie, but uh, there's a, uh, up where we belong. It was sung by Joe Cocker and. Oh, Joe Cocker, man. Yeah, he, was, he sang that song. He, he sang the, the theme song, I think that won an Oscar for, to, for Best Song. To the Wonder Years, too, correct? <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> no. but was, that not, was that not Joe Cocker? It could uh, have been, but I, I, I don't remember that one. Well, while I'm pulling this up, we'll uh, we'll talk about the offensive part, because obviously I make the, the, the Chow Mein Western joke, yeah. and, and, and good fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, sure. ob- Obviously there are some things that are offensive. We like to make light of things like that, because uh, so I think sometimes it helps people, because there, there are uh, crazy things out there that aren't really that cool. Sure. But, but it's funny that we're mentioning movies of Clint Eastwood, and we're talking about offensive movies, and we did not mention Gran Torino. Oh. I mean, jeez. You know what was interesting about that movie is that the, the from the Asian community perspective, they actually liked it. Uh, at least to those I spoke to, of the critics and, and those who spoke up about the movie, they they thought that it was well portrayed on all the different parts. Even his last one, uh, the one with um, uh, the mule, uh, he stopped to help that couple uh, couple that had a flat tire out on the freeway and they're an African-American couple and he was, I think he referred to them as colored and they both looked at him in shock but he was just an old guy who in his 90s and that's how he referenced them and they said no, we don't we don't call it colored, we call it, we call it black or African-American but he had to get educated but that was a, a good case of someone who just probably didn't know any better he was not a person with a bad bone in his body so much as he was just ignorant of Current culture. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was in what the Korean War, right? So he's obviously born in a different time, oh, okay. lived in that a different was, time. Yeah, that was for. Oh, Grand sorry, plenty, Grand yeah, Trino. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Now that you're now what you're speaking, my bad. I need to go back yeah. to that. But still, but, but you know, he's he's actually been kind of a uh, he, he's kind of uh, allowed for roles. Even one of his Dirty Harry movies, one of his partners was Asian. And so can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh, so he, he's done a little bit of groundbreaking and he's been interviewing some, some people in his, in, his, uh, in his movies as well. I can't, I can't imagine him making that type of movie and actually being racist, to be honest with you, because it's definitely a message movie. I mean, he's helping out, like, you know, the good people. It's the gangs that brought it down, which you could probably say that about a lot of inner city, uh, even impoverished areas. It doesn't even have to be anything um, ethnic, ethnically specific, mm-hmm. if you will. 
it could just be the fact that you're impoverished. But real quick, yes, uh, the Joe Cocker version was the theme song to the TV series, The Wonder Years. Yeah, okay. Oh, Very good. So you were on it too? Hey, I have my moments. Yeah, I have my moments. I told you I was going to try to do better this episode. <laughs> hey, I, now you're, you've always been on it. You know? and, if, and, and the beauty of this, something like this, if you don't know, ask. Or better yet, look it up. And mm-hmm. you're real good at doing that too. So that's good to bring in that, the, the accurate information and uh, pulling it up. So, right on. Yeah. And then just to be real, the reason why we're using one mic, I mean, I've been so busy today, I need to get. Uh, splitter, I think that'll help for whatever reason. Like, you know, we're trying, there's only one mic. So, if the audio is still off, eight, whatever. We'll live. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If not, we'll try it again. <laughs> so, who was your favorite actor or actress, uh, or both, from your era? You don't, you don't wow, my era. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. discrimination okay. there? Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, no. But that's not a bad question to ask, actually. Like, like as a, as a, no, as a, well, it's not a bad question to ask because, like, in the 60s, growing up, you know, my favorite, oddly enough, one of my favorite movies growing up was The Sound of Music with Julie Andrews. And uh, you had all those musical, it's a musical, and those, all those songs growing up, I used to be able to sing and know all the words to all those songs. So, I love the sound of music and Julie Andrews. I used to think, boy, I wish I had a mom who could do that and sing to me and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. You know, and and then uh, my favorite TV show for a long time in the 60s was uh, Wild Wild West with Robert Conrad. And he was very well built and he was a, uh, he was a C- uh, Secret Service agent. But he was doing the, 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 the different kinds of uh, counterfeit crime and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So a lot of his was, was about the, the Secret Service. And then uh, one of my other favorite movies, because back then we were transitioning from from military being good to slowly being military bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was The Green Berets with John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, George Takai, who was Sulu in Star Trek, the original Star Trek series, uh, played a uh, uh, Vietnamese uh, colonel or, or, or captain or something like that. Captain Nim was his name. And he was a, on the U.S. side of uh, the South, South Vietnamese military. And I loved that, that show because I, I was pro-military and, and uh, fighting for, for uh, peace and democracy. So I loved John Wayne. I grew up liking John Wayne for much of my life. So seeing his movies as well. And then later on, you know, in the 70s, a different kind of genre, genre came in because then in the early 70s, a guy named Bruce Lee came up. And that was for the Asian community, like, we finally have a hero! Because <laughs> we didn't have heroes in the Asian community until Bruce Lee came along. And so he was my hero for the 70s and even into the 80s, even though he died like in 73. His movies and his and all the people who, who parroted him or tried to uh, try to be the next Bruce Lee, um, it carried on the Asian culture and gave martial arts and gave a, gave us a little bit of balls, if you will. We, we had some masculinity. People didn't automatically think we were the weak men of Asia. Uh, but sometimes what uh, Westerners tended to look at the Asians as kind of small, meek, and mild. And so it gave me a little bit of, uh, you know what, I'm going to play football. I played football in high school. I'm going to run track. So I, I did some Sports that traditionally you don't see a whole lot of Asian guys playing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I 
I wanted to be a little different. And, and so then after Bruce Lee, uh, what is Bolo Bolo Young? Oh yeah, is that, Bolo, yeah. 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 <laughs> you the big boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to see that guy in a dark alley. That's for sure. <laughs> oh no, you wouldn't. How many uh, earlier before that we started this? You said that you were a big uh, Star Trek fan. How many Star what? Trek movies can you name? Well, I mean, it there's was, a lot, right? Yeah, well, because you had different uh, genres of, of Star Trek movies. Because you had the the original cast had their own Star Trek. Because first you had the, the Star Trek, the original TV series that ran for three years. And it wasn't until the, they ran in the 60s. It wasn't until the 70s that the first Star Trek movie finally came out. And now Star Trek, the motion picture. And it had the original cast playing. And then later on they had uh, some other ones from, uh, so they brought back uh, The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. And then, then the next series of Star Trek came on, and Star Trek The Next Generation. And so they had their own set of movies as well. Okay. And then from that group, then you had another, you had uh, two or three spinoffs on Star Trek from there. And then they had uh, movies with that group, uh, with Jean-Luc Picard and Will Riker and, and those folks. And so they had movies based on uh, those characters. And then you had another group that had He was. They had a new group of uh, characters playing uh, William Shatner. To uh, the same original cast names, but played by new characters. So um, Gabriel Quinto, uh, a few other of the actors who are, are the modern day ones. And they haven't been out lately. And like I said, I just watched some of the, the latest TV. Made for TV, uh, where you can watch them on on uh, on the uh, on paper view or whatever, and, and have the Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Discoveries, you know, they had all these other ones. They're all they're all episodes, and so you, I did some binge watching on a couple of those just because I was fascinated on how all of them worked. And, and if you're a sci-fi geek, uh, it's just amazing because you who's to say it's not true? You, you can really go diverse on what the universe is like and who's to say you're wrong that could happen that yeah. could be true we don't know yeah very true so those are fun to watch the different aliens and the different mindsets of what we think good and bad is and what uh, uh, if you watch some of those uh, like Star Trek Generation they made a, a kind of a point that they were pro-life mm -hmm. and then you had another one that was, was, was more of a, a anti- anti-religion or something to that effect where, where one religion doesn't catch all. You know, that kind of thing. So it was just kind of fascinating to watch the, the different mindsets and the, the storylines that, that make you think. And so that's why I've always enjoyed Star Trek because you can kind of diverse, very diverse and, and utilize aliens to be ethnic cultures. Yeah. And things like that. And then make a storyline to say, hey, you know, we, don't, we may not be talking, talking about black, white, uh, Asian, Hispanic. We could be talking about Borg and you know, humans. I'm not going Terran. And then we talk about a completely um, different species yeah, instead of races. And, and, and <clears throat> does, that, does that make us racist when we talk about, oh, those, 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 uh, those look like lizards. I don't like them. <laughs> or even the Star Wars, you have 
one of the generals in the Star Wars is a, a big fish. You know, <laughs> I said, they're food. You have the the Klingon noodles and the yeah and the, and the Ewok noodles the Ewok westerns I mean the Ewok westerns sorry, yeah, not yeah. noodles I mean and, and it's so fun to watch that because number one your imagination can go wild and then number two you can put build in some storylines that kind of make some ideas of does this fit in our current modern day culture so yeah and that's that's uh, amazing that you mentioned uh, it it being possible because I definitely think that it would be possible. And uh, we were talking earlier today on a podcast about aliens, huh? Ah, okay. What, what, uh, what's your what's your opinion on that? And that's a broad question. I could be more specific sure. if you like. Well, if you're talking about like today's in today's world, could there be aliens? I don't see why there couldn't be. Uh, if the universe is as expansive as we believe it to be, just because we haven't found anything doesn't mean much because we've barely been able to get out there. We haven't even passed the moon. We've barely been able to get a couple of uh, uh, land rovers and some, some other you know, minor ships coming down on um, what, Mars, and we could send some probes out to go, go through Jupiter and Saturn and, and fly all the way out to Neptune and Pluto, but we still haven't actually landed in those faraway planets. We're just taking pictures. So who's to say what's out there outside of our own little solar system? But yeah, I think there's something out there. I'm sure there's lots who may have visited, but I don't think we impressed them very much. <laughs> and, and who knows what who knows what Elon Musk has already seen or is doing out there. I'm sure we're not going to know. You know, they, you know, they talk about Area 51, where we're supposedly that that's one of the places where we have some of our our, our latest tech stuff coming out, militarily and otherwise. But supposedly also that's where they've been some of the uh, the alien beings that have been found and kept top secret so nobody really knows what's out there and well that's where um that's another interesting topic of discussion the 1947 crash in roswell new mexico yes. correct yes. um that would be put at area 51 right mm -hmm. <clears throat> they they attribute that to possibly uh, why we have so much technology now because we made a huge technology leap from then till now yes we have if you think about it when i was in high school there's no such thing as desktops, let alone laptops. Um, Fortran 4, that was the, the computer language, and we had to put them on cards, punch them in cards, and then you'd have a program, uh, uh, some kind of program you were trying to put together, and there's a deck of cards uh, you know, that would fit in a box, and you had to put it through the computer, and then it read basically through punch holes on mm -hmm. the cards to create something. And then by the late 70s and early 80s, the first of the, of the desktop computers came out, and there's some Radio Shack, the TRS-80, and I didn't know squat about computers, still don't, you know, but I had a cousin who was my same age, he came from Hong Kong, came, came to college in the U.S., went to uh, University of San Francisco, he got his doctorate degree in computer science at the age of 23, really brilliant guy. Uh, he went to USF, then to UC Davis, and got his master's and doctorate in computer science. And he built, well, he bought the TRS-80 and said, this is trash. And that, that's kind of a funny moniker because later they described the TRS-80 from Radio Shack as a trash 80. <laughs> but, but it was basic, you know, very basic from what we're used to seeing. And it wasn't until uh, just past the 70s into the early 80s that Apple came out and created their, their computers. And then... IBM and everybody else started creating and 
those desktops started coming out. And by the, the mid to the late 80s, desktops were starting to become something where people could own and have at home. Yeah, I remember when we had them in school, I was in the, I was about kindergarten, I'd say. Um, no, it definitely wasn't kindergarten. <laughs> but yeah, so um, it, was, it was amazing. It was like one of the coolest things ever because it was just, I don't know, it was nothing on it really. It was just little green dots and you play right. games and that, that was about it. Yep. I mean, the very first video game was a game called Pong. Mm-hmm. And that came out, I want to say, in the early 70s. And it was a big deal because as friends, we, uh, when I was a kid, we used to go to uh, the bowling alley and bowl. Yeah. And you'd see some video game, or actually, not even video games. Back then, they had some pinball games. But then they brought, they brought out this game called Pong. And all it was, very simple, was two lines that moved up <coughs> and down. And then you had a moving moving dot that you played ping pong with. And that was the original uh, video game, Pong. And it, from there, it expanded into all these other games. And the technology got better, and the graphics and everything got better. And now, pinball games are, are a thing of the past. They're, they're, they're collector items. Yeah, pretty much. They're so fun to play, and then you can kind of get emulators for them to just uh, play on more modern machines that'll have like all the video games on Sega Genesis or whatnot, you know? It's pretty funny. I remember when we first started, uh, uh, the first of the Nintendo games came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Commodore, I think Commodore was one of the first ones also. Commodore, out. yeah. And so, uh, the funniest part for me is that when my kid was born in 91, my son was born in 91, by by the time he was 12 years old, he had to show me how to do uh, video games. So he, he rolled into the ground. I said, oh, God, I can't even. My you when he was 9 or 10, he was killing me in all these games. And by the time he was 12, I had to go to him. Hey, how do you do this on my on my desktop or later my laptop? Yeah. I always had that with my 12-year-old. Now he's in his 30s, but I'm just laughing. But I used to have to go to the little kids to tell me how to use a laptop. They just they grew up with it, so they had a much better understanding for an old part like me. And I'm in my 30s at the time, and he's showing me how to do all this stuff. It's the way it works. I mean, and it's the same thing now. I mean, there's a lot of things that the kids know how to do that. I'm like, what are you doing? Yep. And all these programs and all that stuff. The other thing that we had, the cell phone. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a, uh, in 1989, in 1989, we had the Loma-Prieta earthquake. And uh, in Bay Bridge had a collapse. Uh, the, uh, the Cypress structure in Oakland had a freeway collapse. And AT&T called up the IRL and said, we have 100 cell phones that we can uh, lend, let you borrow if you need them. They said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So, But when they gave us the, uh, the, the phones, they were like little bricks. They were, they were big bricks. They, they were about you know, yay big. Actually, you, can you give me that the box of chocolates here? Which you were nice enough to bring over, by the way. <laughs> hey, take take note, podcast guests. Whenever you come over, bring something nice. <laughs> but it was a little thicker than this, and it had a hand, uh, uh, the handheld uh, uh, phone that connected to a cord, and then it had an antenna and, and a little carry uh, handle, and you'd carry this around alongside of you. So it was like a, a mini, mini, mini case. And you were the cool guy because you were carrying this box around with a, that was a, a cell phone. And then later it went to a, a, a brick phone where it was about half, about two thirds of this size, and it was all contained. So you all you had to do was press the buttons and hit send and call, call there. 
And the technology slowly developed where the phones became flip phones. And there was a period of time where people used to laugh. So this is just like Star Trek. Where you just flip mm. it. Because you know, if you watch the communicators used in the Star Trek movies, it was a flip phone, basically. And so, and then if you look at the, 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 the ear pods, mm-hmm. it's just like what they were seeing in, in the original Star Trek where when they're operating the, the, the devices on, on, the, on the ship and the, on the bridge, they put it in their ear, basically an AirPod. So a lot of things that you saw in those those scientific uh, sci-fi shows became reality in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's funny. So everyone wanted phones smaller after the yep. '80s, and then now now they want the bigger phones with the bigger screens. And the screen, <laughs> I watch my movies with this thing. Hey, uh, so speaking of phones, another good topic. Gee, you keep just like leading us. You keep leading us into the perfect topics here. Earlier today, we were also talking about cobalt mines. Cobalt mines. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that something? Is that something you're interested in speaking about? No, I don't have a whole lot of, oh, okay. of uh, background or anything like that. I do know that it's those precious metals that uh, are the backbone of a lot of these devices. Correct. And um, you can even extend it into what's going on with Russia and uh, <laughs> uh, Ukraine? Ukraine, thank you, Ukraine, yes, because... Well, they've only been a country for like, you know, what, 30 years, yeah, so... But the, the, the thing about that is that one of the issues for the Russians is that they can't build their too many of their tanks, their new tanks, because they don't have any chips. Mm-hmm. And chips are, are, you know, the lifeblood of most of the tech, uh, modern technology now for, for military application. And their suppliers were overseas. They did not, they don't have, they do not have the uh, in-country capability of making their own chips. And with all these different embargoes with Russia, all they're doing is, is, is uh, cannibalizing whatever they can find and putting together uh, their older tanks. And some of them, they have no, no none of the technology to fire uh, using computers. They just they're kind of manually load and fire kind of things, and so um, you can extend what's happening with the precious metals going into cell phones and into our vehicles because the, the fewer trucks and cars are being able to be manufactured because the precious metals to be able to make those things um, are, are harder to come by and they're very expensive. Catalytic converters. Uh-huh. Why are they break? Why are they stealing catalytic converters? Because of all the precious metals in them, and uh, that that's where a lot of money is is now going to, and or, or you know how they're trying to uh, make money off of stealing catalytic converters. Can't make uh, more phones without those precious metals. So it's it's a fascinating world of things that some of these things are only available in certain countries. Mm-hmm. those precious metals <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and so do you think well two it's a two-part question i suppose mm-hmm. uh, the hypersonic weapons right, right. You're, you're you're aware of those i'm, I'm sure the missiles uh, yeah 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 particularly as yes, the hypersonic missiles um so do you think that those would require the cobalt because i mean that's that's up there right i mean that's some sort of i'm sure there's a lot of different the, the you know each one is engineered however they design them that um, it's like gold. Gold is used for a lot of um, um, space applications for, you know, we're going, uh, we're building our spacecraft because it has a, a it, it has to do with con- conductivity. Mm-hmm. And so 
Now, gold is utilized in some of those uh, some of those devices for for their technology in our spacecraft. Um, I'm not surprised if some of those precious metals that we're talking about in cobalt, et cetera, are used specific to these to these missiles. Excuse me, because it, cause it's not restricted just to st uh, cell phones. I mean, it's all like oh. EV vehicles and oh, yeah. all those types of Very things as so. well. So I mean, it, yeah, I that's why I say chips, the microchips that you see in your trucks and cars and, and, and computers and cell phones. I mean, they they are the life blood of our of our high tech, mm -hmm. and if without them, um, you can grind a lot of things to a halt. You can grind a military to a halt because of the high tech weaponry that they all need. Well, once you take away all those high-tech weapons, what do you got left? You know, no, that's what's happening in Russia, as I understand it, as I as I read. Um, but the Russian military doesn't have very much with regards to high-tech weapons, and they're fast running out of their uh, stocks and supplies of the missiles and, and artillery shells and all of those things. Their their vehicle, military vehicles, um, the tanks and others are are coming harder to, to come by just because they don't have the the uh, software that goes with making those things run uh -huh. yeah I mean and they've been they've been at war for like over a year now so yes. obviously you're gonna deplete your army a little bit I mean it's gonna mm -hmm. and from what I understand there have been numbers that the Russians are losing their military personnel at a, anywhere from a five to one to seven to one ratio Meaning that for every Ukrainian soldier who is killed in, in action, the Russians are losing anywhere from five to seven soldiers to the one Ukrainian soldier because they're getting sent out with uh, lesser technology weapons. And in some cases, the, the Russian soldiers have to come up with their own weaponry. They're mm -hmm. getting hand-me-down clothing and hand-me-down uh, uh, rifles and things of that nature. So they, they barely have enough ammo to go out to battle. Yeah, and they're on the attack too. So yes, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna deplete your resources uh, much more. When you're in a military situation, um, when you're on the offensive, you need to have a lot of a lot of ammo and artillery <clears throat> shells and all of those things because you're going you're attacking the the, the unknown going into to the your your uh, opponent's uh, uh, defensive positions. And they say that's what. Um, it's funny because I always say they say it's just, it's just because you know I mean there's. It's kind of like a thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> because I'm like, they say. They say. So you know, I know. Um, no, it's it, it said that <laughs> they, uh, that's how that's how they, you know, were successful in previous wars because they have like a, a countless amount of bodies that they could just push forward. and. Yeah, because um, if you think about it in World War II, and, and you can also equate it to the Korean War to that degree, is that the Russians, after, you know, what they did have that the Germans did not have was bodies. And so um, the Russian doctrine of, in, in utilizing their offensives was to use a mass of bodies to, to overwhelm the German defenses. And it was worth it for them to make cheaper tanks, cheaper uh, weapons that worked, um, and just send them out and overwhelm the German defenses. And they were basically successful in that process. Same thing was used in, in the Korean War. Originally, the Korean, North Korean army went up against the South Korean army and their U.S. allies. Yeah. But then when China came in and uh, to support the North Korean military, uh, they went by with using lots of bodies. 
they overwhelmed U.S. forces. And so, but that doctrine has become more and more uh, obsolete uh, because of modern technology. Yeah, it's interesting times we live in. The hypersonic weapons, the cobalt mines. Oh, and another interesting thing. Uh, previous to World War II, <clears throat> excuse me, and it was the year pre prior to World War II, it was like 38, 39, when World War II started. Well, it depends on who you're... Oh, yeah, yeah, for, depending on what country you're yeah, in. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll take that back. <laughs> so, uh, in, in the, but if you're looking at conventionally speaking, most people kind of equate 39. 39, yeah. 39, so, so I believe it was like... 1938, 1938, I believe, uh, the the Nazis, they sent a, a large amount, I think it was like 50,000 people to Antarctica and like uh, well-educated people, like botanists, scientists, uh -huh. things of that nature. Is that true? Is it, you heard anything that, about I've that? I've not heard of that one. I know that, um, uh, okay, I don't know specific to, of that particular situation, but I know that prior to um, the Russians and Germans fighting each other, they actually were allies. People don't realize that for a short while, the Russians and the Germans were allies. And the Germans broke that, that, that treaty and later attacked Russia. So from that point of view, um, a lot of people weren't aware of that. Uh, the Nazi party in the 30s was how they built their, their, uh, their strength in becoming the, the main focus of the government. Um, because there was a number of different circumstances where they had two factions of the uh, Socialist Party, and Hitler basically allowed a situation where the opposing party of that Socialist Party, the Socialist Party, uh, was taken out. Uh, and I want to say that was in the, the early mid '30s, and then the, the Nazi Party took over and became the dominant. Uh, governmental party and built up the military against the treaties that were signed after the World War One. after they lost World War One. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the, the, I think it was called the Treaty of Versailles, but it was the, when Germany uh, lost World War One. Um, they, they signed what they call a I forget the name of the word, but it, it was an unconditional surrender, meaning that the victor got to determine what the penalties were for for, the, for that war. Yeah, Treaty of Versailles. Yeah. Um, see, I don't even need to look it up. The phone just <laughs> listens to us and it pulls it right up. So yeah. is the treaty, uh, how do you pronounce it? Treaty Vers of Versailles. Versailles. The Treaty yeah. of Versa Versailles was a peace treaty signed on uh, 28th of June, 1919 as the most recent treaty of World War I. Um, so let's go back to... So this is an interesting read, if you don't mind, it's kind of long. Sure, sure. <clears throat> so it said, uh, this is in regards to um, Hitler going to, uh, sending to people to Antarctica. So to prepare for the war, they needed whale oil, said uh, Cornelia Ludwig, uh, <laughs> professor of the history of science at Hamburg University and co-author in 2012. Um, so they had to buy whale oil from Norway before, and they didn't want to spend the uh, currency on Norway. They wanted to produce whale oil by themselves. So Germany began... Building factory whaling ships to ply uh, the Southern Ocean at the time, commercial whaling has been decimated in the North Atlantic, North Pacific. German whaling ships were operating far from home. So the idea of establishing an Antarctic base seemed like a good idea. In August 1936, the German Foreign Office found some unclaimed territory in Antarctica between Norway 
and British zones. Wow. And an expedition to explore and claim the region between 20 degrees east and 10, de- and 10 degrees west, part of an unknown, uh, part of area un- known as Queen Maudlan, uh, Maudland, took shape. The expedition was organized in the summer of 1938 and led by Captain Alfred uh, Richer, Reicher, a decorated World War I naval commander who was married to a prominent Jewish artist. He selected his crew for the secretive mission based on the polar experience rather than the membership in the Nazi party. After three months of repairs to turn the uh, Schwabenland into an iceberg. Icebreaker. Uh, icebreaker, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> the, the captain sailed from Hamburg on December 17, 1938 with a crew of 82 scientists, officers and enlisted men as well as two uh, Dornier. Dornier. Flying boats, flying boats, okay. flying boats perched on capulets. Catapults. Catapults. <laughs> Catapults. I should just let you read this shit. <laughs> <laughs> there was one Nazi officially on board. It's required to know that's really important. So that's what it seems like that we're doing then. Okay. They were exploring, yeah. Because one of the things that the Nazis, uh, the German war machine, was always uh, having difficulty was fuel. And uh, fuel and, and lubricants, meaning oil and, and, and those things. Um, and so it was an ongoing battle for them to be able to create, uh, to get those, those resources. And part of the reason why they were in Africa, uh, in, in the Middle East was because they were getting, going for the oil. When you go over to the in, in whale oil, that, that was a resource. And, uh, Germans also had to create synthetic oils because they didn't, they couldn't get the regular oils. And so mm-hmm. they had to create things. And so that's why they had such a widespread um, uh, influence throughout the world, because they needed the resources. Same thing with Japan. Part of the reason why they, they fought uh, and would try to expand in all of Asia was because they needed the resources. Japan as an island, or multiple islands, they, they're kind of resource poor. So mm-hmm. in order to get oil and, and all the other uh, natural resources that, to, to run a military machine, you had to go all across the, you know, all across Asia, and capture certain countries and capture certain locations and, and to get those natural resources, specifically oil. Mm-hmm. One of the issues when they, when they uh, <coughs> declared war against the U.S. was because the U.S. was embargoing and, and, and preventing them from purchasing oil. Mm-hmm. So yes, that makes sense. I can see how the Germans were trying to find whatever resources they could so that they could uh, fuel the, the machine. To, to kind of stumble back onto what we were talking about earlier, um, so we were talking about the, the aliens and all that other stuff and different different uh, dimensions. We didn't really get into that, but that's basically what we were talking about, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. dimensions, uh, planets and things like that. What What is your take on it being possible that the Egyptians did not build the pyramids and that they were actually built by a previous civilization and uh, they were the, that area was just inhabited after different generations. I, I'm a firm believer that some of our early early you know, ancestors had help. I I don't think that they stumbled on it automatically or you know through natural sort natural uh, growth. They they had some help because there are some leaps and bounds um, during those periods of times. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised that they got help. Um, just like uh, 
when you're building something that huge, and especially when it's enclosed or if it's underground, you need some light. And one of the things they noted that there was no soot. That if you started a fire, uh-huh. you know, to have a torch to have light, you would have soot on the top of the of the the, the, the ceiling of the structure you were you were building. But they didn't see it. And some of them do have a lighting system, right? Where it's like well, so what they mirrors. did, what yeah, they they said that they used mirrors and reflecting mirrors to, to to get all that kind of lighting in there. But even still, there's still a uh, you had to time it just right because the sun is not stationary. The sun or the earth is constantly moving around the sun, so the, the mirrors can only give you so much light uh, for so many hours in the day. Uh-huh. And they were it looked like it was if not a twenty four seven operation. At least twelve to sixteen hour operation. Let me let me uh, go back and be more specific. I suppose so. There's there, there there's three options. I suppose there is the fact that the Egyptians just did it right. They they built it slave labor. Because mm-hmm. right? also there's also the theory that it was built by willing people, right? So there's that theory. So I guess there's four. So willing people, but that still falls into the same one. So the Egyptian people built it by hand. They built it with help, as you said. Or they didn't build it at all. That's what I'm saying. Someone else built it. Exactly. So that, like, say, like, thousands of years before, they built it, uh, some random civilization built it, and there, there's multiple possibilities of what could happen after that, right? So they could have, because one, one of the things is, right, because you're privy to the Anunnaki, like that theory as well. Tell that to me. Huh? You'll have to tell it to me. Okay, so let me pull it up, because I'm not going to do it any justice. <clears throat> but basically... They're supposedly like the alien, the the alien culture that was mining here for gold. They needed gold to save their planet from getting, you know, burnt up. So they needed to reflect. So they came down here. They created a slave race, which is humans, Mm -hmm. to mine the gold for them. Blah blah. They got the gold. They left. So they could have left it like that, or none of that is relevant at all. They built the pyramids, just got done, left, and then thousands of years later, humans came along or whatever, and then boom, they're like, whoa, there's a big pyramid right here. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 I subscribe more to the theory that the humans were there, and they got some help from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also believe that humans had the capability of doing a certain amount of by themselves. And what I look think of is, yeah, have you ever heard of Machu Picchu? That was where yes. the, the, the where they built a, a mountains and uh, a mountain uh, structure where the, the was it the Incans? You was gonna say that's in like Central or South America, correct? Yeah, South, in in South America, and um, they built a it was a mountaintop uh, structure, and the initial stages of it they had these huge boulders, and then the second stage was smaller rocks. And ground into place, and it was a structure that was up there for and utilized probably for a hundred or two hundred years before abandoned. And then they did some some research on why did they pick that particular place, and why did they pick uh, um, because they had other structures further away. And one of the things you needed in any of these places is water, and you also had to have stability when you built something like that. Mm-hmm. And they seemed to have. I remember the, 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 the archaeologists were doing their, their research and studies and looking at how things were done about. And there were some members of, the, of, the, of, that, of that group of people who were able to identify where it was safe to build, number one, where you could get access to water nearby, and then how to build these structures and make them last. And 
be able to build food or, or farmlands and, and irrigation for these places so that you could have a food source. Yeah. And so your, your basic needs have always been what human beings have needed. And as we have evolved, we learned about how to do, um, you know, how to farm. We learned how to, you know, to, to domesticate animals for, for meat uh, or for milk. Uh, and then, you know, we figured out the- Or their skin. Yes, for, for clothing. And we learned how to use um, natural fibers to create other kinds of clothing. So we had some ingenuity over time. And, you know, these past, go back 2,000, 2,500, Hundred years, um, those things already were in existence. We see, uh, as our as our ancestors figured out, we, we needed clothes, we needed food, we needed uh, structures to you know provide safety and protection for ourselves. We developed uh, weaponry, huh? you know, spears, bows and arrows, and <clears throat> swords and shields. So the the knowledge was there, and um, natural evolution would require that you improve. Um, when you put body armor in there, it used to be that you, you could harden leather, but you know some of these swords went through the leather. So, so can we make some metal that might keep the, the stuff from going, the, the, the sword from going through our, our metal shields or metal uh, uh, body armor? So mm -hmm. you know we evolved, and, and I think that natural evolution um, was there for human beings. I think we, we, we did have enough smarts to, to do that. But some of those humongous structures, I think we, I think, way back then, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, I think they had help. Yeah. Personal belief. I mean, I mean, I wasn't there, so yeah. it is. I'm, I, I'm none of us were there. I'm not saying it's true. Whatever's true. Just, but when you look at the evidence of, you know, wow, how did they do that? When, and they're all over the world. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what you see in South mm -hmm. America, what you see in Central America. When you go over to some of the, the Polynesian, Polynesian islands, you see some things out there. You go to Europe, you see things over there. You go to Africa, you see things there. So, you know, there are some universal things there that you see. And yeah, and, and as far as what you're talking about the, um, the evolution of survival, if you will, from the humans, I think inoculation is an amazing one. The man, because that, that was, that was um, and I don't mean, I'm not talking, I'm not like being, facetious or funny or anything mm -hmm. i'm being serious like because it was invented when that i think it was like a doctor or something it was people were getting sick from the water right there's some bacteria in the water and then that's how he figured i put it on his skin and blah, 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 blah. um i'll pull that up because i'm probably okay. doing that so if you well, want <laughs> i mean I, it's a, as i recall you know, it, i mean taking a washing basic hygiene wasn't always practiced in many cultures mm -hmm. and the basic hygiene could have saved a lot of lives, but didn't know any better. And some of it was based on religion. Some of it was based on you know beliefs that were created through some types of experiences that said you know we don't need to wash. You know, we're naturally going to be kind of smelly, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's just the way it is. Yeah, um. and 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 so the idea of, of 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 hygiene, washing the dirt off your body, you know. Cleaning your hands before you ate, things like that. Whereas, you, if you read some of the historical um, of some battles, there are a couple of uh, chieftains. I remember reading about some Vikings who went into a one-on-one -on -one battle, where the guy, the one guy, was victorious, but he later died, and it turns out that the guy who the guy died from he got bit by his 
by his opponent, mm. and his his wound from from getting bit was infected by the guy because he had such you know rotten teeth, and so he ended up dying of some kind of septic uh, wow. issue because of getting bit by his opponent, and you know the, the wound festered. They didn't clean it or anything. They just I won, and celebrate your victory. But then later, uh, wound festers and. It gets infected and, and he dies from the infection. Like we were talking about when you got uh, bit on duty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here, the, uh, we got the Anunnaki. So also transcribed as Anunnaki. Uh, so the other one had uh, three ends. This one only has two. Mm-hmm. And Anunnaki, and then Anun, uh, Anun, Anunnaki, Anuna, and Ananaki. And uh, so anyways, they're a group of deities of an ancient Sumerians, Akkadians, Assyrians, and Babylonians. And the earliest Sumerian writings about them, which come from post-Akkadian periods, the Anunnaki uh, are deities in the pantheon de- descendants of An and Kai, the god of the heavens and the goddess of the earth. Their primary function was to decree the fate of humanity. Um, yeah. <laughs> their the earliest known uses of the term Anunnaki come from the inscriptions written during the reign of uh jeez, Gudea Gudea from twenty one forty four to twenty one twenty four BC and the third dynasty of Ur Ur uh, in the <laughs> the earliest text and the term is applied to the most powerful and important deities in the Sumerian pan, uh, pantheon the descendants of the sky god An. The group of deities probably included the seven gods who decree, uh, oh man, An, Enlil, Enkai, Ninhursag, Nana, Utu, and Inanan. No, Yeah, so there's a lot about them. And like I said, it's uh, on the ancient Sumerian text, so. You know what's, what's really kind of interesting about this life, human, human history, mm-hmm. is that. We've all had a lot of uh, deities that we we worshipped. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can go back to you know, to each of the European um, beliefs. You can go to the African, you can go to the Asian, each even the Central American and South American. Uh, they each had different gods that they believed in. Um, you have some that they had multiple gods. One for the sun, one from the moon, one for you know for different places. The Vikings, the Greeks, the Romans—they had different gods they prayed to and they worshipped. Um, then you have you know, the the Christian faith, and that one and the Muslim faith. Those two are the two dominant uh, religions now in, in in our world today. But what happened to all those other ones that believed in in the sun god and the moon god and uh, Valhalla, going to you know from the Viking mm-hmm. uh, the mindset of, of uh, Thor, and, and, and we have all these different religions, and they've all evolved, and then finally it's kind of come down to two major ones that we're used to seeing, and that's not even counting the other Asian worlds, Buddhism and Taoism. And you also have Judaism. Judaism, that's part of it, yeah. And, I mean, and, I would say that's the big three. Yeah, and so you're looking at the evolution of religion and. What's also interesting, if you think about it, you know, the 1400s, 1500s, all the way up to the 1800s, a lot of the explorers, you know, from the European continent going throughout the rest of the world, going through the Pacific, going through the Atlantic, and, and finding places to, 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 to claim for their country, 
for for their for their religion, you'll find that that uh, the church had a lot to do with. You know, we will help to support you, or the, the government will help support you, but we get a claim, a stake in the claim. Yeah, and so. You know, it wasn't it wasn't all altruistic. I mean, we're we're bringing God to to the savages of this of this island or of this country or of of these lands. There was some monetary involvement in all of this. That's how slaves became slaves in other countries. They brought them back yeah. and said, "We have slaves. It's free. We just capture them. And we can make money off of this." And same thing with with you know um, when you think of what happened in South America. Was it Pizarro? He was, he was the the Spanish. The Spanish uh, explorer who who captured I want to say the Incan kings or the Aztec kings. I, I, my history is a little jumbled. It's been a while, but they they take the, the 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 leader hostage, and so the leader said, "Well, we'll let you free if you give us a room full of gold." And so, you know, he got his people to get a gold, and they got all this gold, and they lied and killed him anyway. And so, you know, so our Spanish. Uh, the, the Spanish uh, conquistadors, they've been known to, to do many things like that. Um, they introduced disease to a lot of these places. Do you think, so there's there's two two aspects of this, right? Because it all leads up to it being changed. So it could be the person pub publishing the literature or mm -hmm. the person following it, right? <clears throat> They're like, you know what? There's way too many gods to keep up on. Like, there's so much to do. Why don't make it all one? And the publicator, the person publishing, could be like, "Man, you know what? I was talked to by God today, and He said He does everything. <clears throat> it's not, it's not just the water, it's not just the skies. It's just that's all, it's all everything." There's a there's a few movies that I've watched that I, I I get a big kick out of because they showed a blending of of, of religious beliefs and cultural beliefs. Um, there's a one with Antonio Banderas, and it was called The Thirteenth Warrior. Mm, yeah, you remember that one, and and, and he, he's a traveler. He's of Muslim faith, and he's in a in in, in kind of like the, the north northern regions of, of Europe or thereabouts, and somewhere along the way he gets caught up where they select him to go with 12, 12 uh, warriors from the uh, a Viking group, and they are to travel to help a, a, a another tribe that that's requesting assistance, and. You hear the different cultures, the different practices, the different beliefs, and in the very end, as 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 the, uh, Antonio Banderas is leaving and going back to his Muslim country, uh, the Vikings were speaking to him and says, "I will pray to all the gods. You know, I will pray to, to all the gods for you. You only have one, but we we have belief, we, we have need of many. So I will pray to all of them for you as he's leaving. So I, I appreciate your prayers." And I will see you soon, North Man. And so, you know, he's on his way. But you know, here is a man who who learned the language of the Vikings. He learned some of the religious and, and cultural practices, and they had to learn some of his. And and just the differences in practices. I mean, and the very one of the things that I've seen in some of the, the movies, especially the ones that I've seen in the, some of these uh, uh, paper news shows. Where the Vikings had this, they bring you a big bowl of water, and they just pass it down, and each person washes his face and rinses his mouth in that same bowl. So the guy at the end, he's got this mucky water, but he's doing the same thing as the guy at the first. He got the clean bowl of water, <laughs> and I said, "Ew!" But that was the practice then. You know, they're blowing their snot into the water. And I said, "Oh, that's so gross." You know, but that was, you know, that supposedly was in the book that. Uh, 
he wrote and was, was managed to be salvaged and it talked about that practice. So it's really fascinating. It, uh, it's, I'm finding like different contradicting stuff on the uh, inoculation. So that, this article is interesting. It says the earliest written evidence of inoculating or originates from the mid 16th century writing a medical uh, tre trest treatise. Treaties uh, written in 1549, titled on measles and smallpox by the physician Juan Chichon. So look, and then you click the article, <clears throat> the same picture, but then you have uh, it was evening of October 12, 1768, and then Dimsdale was preparing to uh, well, Empress. Of if you look closely on this one, Juan Chichon that he's speaking to of on that one, that's actually that's Asian. I think that was, I want to say it's Chinese, that was in the 1500s. Mm -hmm, correct. Evidence. And here you're talking the 1700s in Europe. It's just funny because it's the same, well, I mean, unless it's like a really long thing and it has mm -hmm. the same article in here and I just didn't find it. But yeah, I think, you know, many times like. I, yeah, I guess contradicting wasn't the correct word. I said, I should have said there's a lot of different uh, variations. I have no yep. idea where it actually originated well, from. So I'm you not know what? Know. What was practiced for a long time in the European cultures. And carried over to the to 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 the U.S. was the practice of bleeding. You know what bleeding was? <clears throat> no. Okay. It was the belief that they would they would uh, cut your cut you like on your arm and stuff like that or your wrist and allow the bad blood to pour out of your body and they collect it in a bowl and that was supposed to make you better. What if the good blood is what came out? There was, it's just, it was the belief that the bad blood would come out. That was, that was the belief. Bleeding was, and so, you know, modern day doctors just that they, they somehow survived the bleeding and still, or they somehow managed to survive the cure when the cure is probably making it even worse than what they had. So. They're just bloodletting themselves. Yes, they were bloodletting. They called it uh, bleeding. And uh, that was how they, uh, they believed that letting the blood, bad blood out would cure you of, of your ailment. Uh, supposedly, that's what happened with uh, George Washington, you know, our first president. They, he, he, they practiced uh, bleeding on him. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> and that was in the, what, 17, late 1700s. Yes, it was. What's your uh, favorite Clint Eastwood movie? <sighs> hmm. Good question. I can remember a couple of war movies that I really liked, Kelly's Heroes. And that one was where him and Telly Sabalas and a few others, uh, yeah, they, and, and oh, and Donald Sutherland. Mm. Um, they, they, I think uh, Clint Eastwood hears about there's some gold being shipped around by the Germans. And I think we can steal it. I think we can get it before they ship it. And so, but he needs resources. And one of the guys in there was a guy named Don Rickles who was a comic back in the day, but he was also did some acting, and uh, they were gathering all the resources they needed, and, and they had a unit that had half-tracks, and, and you know, they were basically a mobile infantry group, and then they needed tanks, and Donald Sutherland, if you ever seen him, he was kind of an oddball, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, that was the name of his, of his character in the movie, Oddball, and he, he had a tank platoon, he had like four or five tanks that, that came with them, and so they snuck they created circumstances where they could sneak in and go to the town where the gold was supposedly uh, kept. And when they get to that town, it turns out that they've got these, these tiger tanks that are protecting the town in a, in a unit. 
So they take out as many of the, the infantry and everything like that, and there's a couple of tanks left, German tanks, and they said, you know, I don't think we can defeat these tanks, and our German tanks aren't as big as the, and strong enough to defeat these, these Tiger tanks. So let's go and use the old-fashioned way. Give them a cut. And so Cohen and they, they talked to the German leaders as well, the, the German tank commanders as well. There's a million dollars of gold in, in that in that building over there. And we'll cut it for you. We'll give you a cut. And so okay, so in the end they they give into the bank and and they get all the gold and the US uh you know the guy who played Archie Bunker, uh, Carol O'Connor. Oh, yeah, he's, yes, a, yes. he's the general. He says, "Look at these guys! I'm going to give them medals and everything." They don't. The, he doesn't realize they're not trying to uh, have a major offensive to beat the Germans. They want the gold, uh -huh. but in doing so, going where they're going, they are taking out a lot of Germans. And so, in the very end, as they're coming into the town where the gold is, they had already left and got the gold and split it with the Germans, and they were running away with, with, with the riches. But it was part comedy, part drama, part and it was you know and very much uh, fiction. But I'll have to a, check that out. I yeah, haven't seen that. Kelly's Heroes. It's a fun movie. What What's the What's the name of the one with him? And he's a He's a security guard for the president, and John Malkovich is trying to assassinate yeah, yeah, yeah. him. I uh, I know the movie you're talking about. I can't the name name can't remember the name of that one. Oh. That's a good one too. That's an excellent movie. Rene Rousseau is is mm -hmm. the, the, the one of his and um, Dylan McDermott was was the agent who was killed just in the line of fire. In the line of fire, yeah. 1993. Yeah, that was a good movie. And that's... <laughs> remember when he's running alongside the motorcade and he's sitting there trying to breathe? And I said, ah, that would have been me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I running alongside the, you know, the limo? <laughs> Give me a car. I ain't running next to this. Uh, that's, a, that's a good movie. A lot of uh, He directs great movies, too. He's, yeah, he's done a lot of good directing of movies. If you ask me which ones, I couldn't tell you off the top. Mm -hmm. But he's done some... Incredible work. There's one I just heard about. I actually haven't seen. It's um, what is it called? It is uh, all right. Oh, uh, Flags of Our Fathers. Like World oh War. yes, that's World War Two. Yeah, Flags of Our Fathers. That's like um, the U.S. soldiers, the ones who helped put raise the flag of, uh, on on Iwo Jima. Correct. Correct. Yes, that was a that was very interesting. A couple of players in that movie. Uh, you would have seen on Star Wars, mm. and um, uh, the guy, one of the guys in that movie later played in the movie uh, uh, Wind Talkers, which is about oh with Nicholas Cage, and, and and but the, the that's like one of my mom's favorite movies about. ah but the, the uh, he was Native American Indian he was one one of the guys who raised the flag and it was very difficult for him and but he also put that same character and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He was also in Wind Talkers, and he was one. Of, he was the the, the Native American um, radio operator that Nicholas Cage protected. Okay. Back back and uh, gosh, I can't remember his name off the top of my. But that's that kind of goes back to showing you uh, um, a chance for Ryan Felipe. No, he's the guy who you would find in the Star Wars movies. <laughs> Wait, I'll, I'll get you his name. Adam Beach. Adam Beach. He okay. was the uh, he was um, uh, yeah, uh, the Benjamin Yaki. He, he was the uh, he was also on one of the uh, Law and Order series for a little while too. 
very good actor, uh, excellent actor. He he uh, he was in the um, the first movie that Clint Eastwood uh, directed. I know you just said. Oh, uh, the Ring of Fire, or not no, the Ring of, the no, Ring no, of Fire, no. <laughs> uh, Flags of Our Fathers. Yeah, Flags of Our Fathers, yeah, and then also Wind Talkers, and he, he, was, he was the one who uh, uh, one of the guys who helped raise the flag on, on Hiroshima, and that notoriety kind of also hurt him a lot, too, made him very, uh, it was difficult in real life, that character, that, that original person there had, had uh, a difficult life after all of that. I believe it. It's uh, sad to hear uh, us always wanting to everyone to have a good life and be happy and peaceful, but fortunately, it never works out that way. Yeah, unfortunately. But as a movie, as an actor, Adam Beach did a wonderful job. I didn't realize as I'm looking at it, he was born in Canada. He was a Canadian actor. He's a dang Canuck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that just until I just started looking him up. But uh, yeah, he he. Did a lot of movies, and and Clint Eastwood did some of these movies where where you say, "Oh, Clint did that one." Yeah. And so I actually want to look up. Uh, he he directed it. quite a few that you were exactly. just kind of like, "Whoa, what?" Actually, I had, I had a good laugh also with the fact that uh, I remember going to Carmel, where he was mayor. Yeah, <laughs> that's where he had his ranch at, right? Yeah, I Carmel was where he had a yeah, yeah, He had a restaurant there too. All right. Yeah, Carmel by the sea. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we uh, wrap this up here, G? Well, you know what? Had a good time talking about these things. Had a good time about. Uh, uh, well, we talked about Clint. Do you have any? Uh, I'm curious as to. When we talked about going back into the past and, and mm -hmm. we believe in aliens and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what were some of the thoughts that came up with, with you guys when you were discussing that with, with some others as far as what they believed? I, I had my own thoughts of I think we have help. I think we have observers. I think part of the reason why we don't see them is because we're so we're we're not as advanced as they are, because if you can come and visit us, you're already eons ahead of what, what we're capable of. Mm -hmm. And so we have nothing to offer them. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason for them to come and visit us, get to know us, because what do we have to offer? Because the theory is like they had already moved on. That's yeah. why Elon Musk is saying we're like the modern day pioneers because we're trying to get to another planet before this one dissolves or whatever have you. Um, to answer your question, though, I believe it was uh, Drunken Lizard and uh, Jello that were on here. Uh. I believe it was both of them. Uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, guys, but I believe both of them agreed that they were just built by other people and that they were inhabited by uh, later civilizations. I'm, I'm a believer that, that they got help building them, you know, the combination of technology, because I don't think they, they, uh, they needed some manual labor to build some of that stuff. They could have just built it themselves, you know what I mean? And then and then one of the things is, like, the transportation of it. They're like, they'd have to pull it in the sand, blah, blah, But there was water there before, right? They didn't know that before. It's very possible they built it themselves. Um, I, I went to, oh, gosh, in, in Mexico, I went uh, outside of Cancun. Uh, I went to one of the, uh, the sites there where they had uh, some of the pyramids. 
And I would, and as you walk to it, as we're going through and walking through the, 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 the stone walls and the brick walls that are alongside, there are carvings on the wall, on the bricks, on individual bricks. And it was almost like they were highlighting specific people on those bricks. And so I'm thinking, wow, check that out. I think that, that you know, were they, were they uh, doing that so that they're highlighting the people who, who won the, 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 the duels or the, the competitions? <laughs> And got their names on the brick, or got their their, their face on the brick. Um, so that's why I got a kit out of walking there. Because when you go there, you actually see things that you're not going to see uh, on a documentary. Mm -hmm. Like when I, you know, I, I went to to the Great Wall of China in Beijing. And when you go alongside the Great Wall of China and you look at all these bricks, people have carved their names on the bricks. Some of them are in in, in, in Chinese calligraphy or Japanese, you know, kanji, and some of them are, are are English European carved into those bricks. So people back in the day, before you know the, the government stopped down on it, were carving their names on an ancient uh, structure. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> interesting. Who would have thought? So look, look, this guy carved his name on on this brick here. So it was kind of a trip to see that stuff. Because most of the time you don't see it. You, you don't see it from on the documentary side. Yeah, I'm mean, sure you see stuff because they're only going to show you what they want you to see. Sure, and then I don't want to admit that that, that people <laughs> came in and carved their names on and on the uh, uh, the Great Wall of China. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna pull up some stuff, but it's not even worth mentioning because I can't find the correct one. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in my personal opinion, I don't know, man. Uh, there's so many possibilities of what could happen. Do I believe there's th uh, people on other planets? Uh, there there kind of has to be. Yeah, that's the end. Yeah. And, well, yeah, if, if we have a universe, we're just a little dot in the, mm -hmm. this monster ocean. And so I, I would find it hard to believe that we're the only sentient beings that, that exist. It's just that we don't have enough capability yet to get outside our solar system to see what's really out there. And I, or even even in our oceans, we've only explored five percent or whatever of our seventy-five. What's, what's down there? Yeah, <laughs> anybody hiding there? Water? Yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, and then so I mean, I've lived in Ukiah for a little while, and in the sky, man, I, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've seen molt like uh, a couple lights going back and forth, look like they were racing. They sat for a little bit. One would dart down and just kind of dipped out, and the other one went up. Like it was weird stuff. And what I find what I find fascinating about it is, like I could tell you that story. It was two colored lights. One was one was red. One was green. It wasn't Christmas or anything, but that that was a color system. And they're in the sky. And what happened was, and now out there, if you're not familiar with it, excuse me, you're up in the mountains. There's minimal light. Uh, what do you call it? light pollution? There's minimal light pollution. You're high in the mountains. You can see all the constellations, man. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. two yeah. tenfold. You can see so much, and so. I see these uh, lights just flying across the sky super fast, and then they stop. And then they just start going in, like, different directions. And they're kind of synchronized, but not. So, like, they're moving at the same time, but then then they start doing different stuff. Okay. And then they're kind of chilling for a second. Like I said, they're sitting there for a little bit, and then they just take off. And I'm like, what the fuck? Wow. And now, here I am, like, 30 years later. Not 30 years later. I ain't that old. But uh, it was, like, 50... Let's not worry about how, how long it was. <laughs> it, it was like a decade or so, a little more. 
Um, yeah, about 13 years, 13, 14. So and now people tell the same story. I was literally listening to a podcast and someone's like, I saw these lights flying in the sky and then they took off in opposite directions after sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck? I saw the same exact thing. Yeah, sure. Same yeah. exact thing. Sure. Well, if, if you're a Star Trek fan, one of the things that they use as a, a uh, before they make what they call first contact, is that uh, you the, the 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 world that they explore, you have to have reached a certain level of technology before they will come and and, and introduce themselves. If you're not at that level, they will allow you to evolve regardless of how your how your cultures are evolving. And but what they call the warp speed, meaning that you know the, the, the ability to travel faster than the speed of light. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't have that capability. And those types of things are what probably is what sets uh, those alien races from wanting to contact us is we our technology isn't far enough for them to for us to be able to contribute to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you look at how we are as a as a race as a as a human race, we have so much conflict. So much turmoil just amongst ourselves that who would want to be a, peop- a people that has so many different things going on and, and and you look at the murders and the rapes and all these terrible things that are going on, the genocide of, of, of people in one country and all these terrible things that are going on, why would they want to interfere with that or get involved in any of that? So it's nice that you mentioned that as well. Always good for the transition. So when... <laughs> When you look at the the higher deities, the Anunnaki's, the the idea that the pyramids were built by another another living being before before the Egyptians, all that good stuff, you would have to believe that the other species, races, whatever you want to call them, on the other planets are more advanced than us. Oh yeah. What guarantees that they're more advanced than us? They could still be cavemen. You know, they could still be fighting themselves, not even worried about people on other planets, let well, yeah. alone want to come here mm-hmm. and pillage us. Well, and I think... Oh, go ahead. Well, well, no, but uh, with that being said, though, it ha- that would have to be oblivious to the fact that we do see flying saucers and shit like that. So there has to be there has I, to be something I at think, this point that finally... I think, you know, and, and it's not to say that, I mean, we have our own capabilities to get to some planets, so it takes us a while to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some Mars probes, we've got some other... We got probes going out. We've got some. They're, they're flying out there and taking pictures of us for us to send back to, to Earth to see what you know what's out there. Um, but I think our solar system, as old as it may be, doesn't look like it's it's got life sustaining. Uh, we don't have that many life sustaining planets, and uh, and we don't know uh, what other beings need to to exist. Uh, I guess. They talk about in, in the Star Trek movies were carbon based, and that you know our blood is, is copper based and all that. What are these other beings? What is what is their makeup? What do they breathe? Do I was going to mention that oxygen? too. Oxygen? Do they breathe? You know other things? Are they water based? Are they? Um, you know, are, is their world um, sulfuric acid and that's norm? Mm-hmm. Their minerals, their nutrients could right. all be different. Exactly, and so there are all different. Yeah, and so. Because of those differences, you know, we can we're so we're so we're not that far evolved. You know, we've we've only had technology for you know a few a few centuries, and 
our modern technology only the past 100, 150 years. So uh, to, to think that we're that far advanced, we're, we're babies, babes in the woods in comparison to the capability of space travel. We don't have that capability yet. We have a space station just above our, you know, just above our uh, uh, Earth, but certainly you're not seeing them traveling from planet to planet or anything like that. We're not that far involved, mm -hmm. and it doesn't look like it's coming from our solar system. These other visitors, it's probably from other other galaxies to come visit us, and so we're so far behind in that. We've we've never gotten far enough to be able to visit that. So. Visitors probably say, well, that's nice. They're not ready to be visited by us. Or they couldn't even sustain themselves. Yeah. The natural resources that we cherish may not be anything that they want in order for them to exist and subsist. So I would say that um, it would be, I think, ignorant of us to think that we're so advanced when really we're, we're, we're just beginning. Mm -hmm. Our technology is just beginning. Yeah, and... Uh, I believe I'm going to murder. I'll look it up. I'm not, I don't have time today, but we'll look it up. And next time you come on the show, I'll make sure we'll go into a little more depth. But I believe it was a Sumerian text as well. Uh, it was talking, might have even been Anunnaki. Mm -hmm. the, they said that they came in uh, from outside of the solar system and the earth was the uh, earth. They, they, they notated earth as the seventh planet in the solar system, right? Huh? And we know it as a third based on the way that we have our solar system set up. And they said that if you were to enter from that part of the atmosphere, Pluto would have been the first planet and oh. so forth, and then Earth would have ended up being the seventh planet. Okay. So that's Let me see. Maybe I could pull that up real quick. And you know what's interesting is that our um, scientists have deemed Pluto not to be a planet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. a big rock, but it's not a planet. Yeah, that's as right. As opposed to some of our others. So, you know, so if we're the, if we're the seventh planet... Um, from outside going in, you know that 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 says that we might not have found everything that's out there yet. Um, there has been talk that, that, that some of our planets, uh, that you know, there's there's the there's that one area where, where we have a lot of meteors and a lot of um, like the space Milky debris. Way? Yeah, where where they the, there may have been two planets striking each other, creating that the, the asteroid belts. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding it. It might not even have been Pluto. <laughs> that's <laughs> outside of saying. our solar system. I hear what you're saying. I'm not, a, no. I'm not an astronaut. No, no I'm, not a, I'm not an astronomer. I don't know all the, the ins and outs. But I tell you, if you're a rocket scientist, there, there, there's a lot out there for you to, to explore and to, to discuss. And, yeah. and even, even you know, the things that, 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 that these scientists have, have identified, they're all theory. Mm -hmm. And you know, and it's based on what we found here. We think that that's what those those planets are made of. Like like Jupiter and Saturn, they're supposed to be all gaseous clouds. You know, it's a it's a huge gas planet as opposed to a. Whereas if you come to Earth, you know, we're pretty solid, and we have a solid core in the center. We don't know Jupiter and Saturn how 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 what what's the solid core in the bottom. Mm -hmm. So. You know, the red eye is supposed to be a storm on Jupiter, right? Is it, is it, is it a constant storm and that's all it is? <laughs> or is it, you know, is, it, is that storm going to ever go away? Or is there something underneath there that causes the red dot, the red spot in, on, in Jupiter to always be there? Yeah. 
<laughs> so fascinating. We'll never know any of this stuff, probably. Either. Not in our lifetimes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, here's a good thing to close on, because I know you'll be able to throw in some input. So the reason why I have to close a little early is because we're going out of town tomorrow. We're going to San Francisco. Ah, um, for all of y'all, please check it out on all of the media, like the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook. I'm going to put up uh, some footage. We're going to go to the Botanical Garden. Oh, um, for those of you who haven't seen it before, we'll put up uh, Crossing the Golden Gate Bridge. Just random things like that so you guys can follow us along and check it out. So you're going to go to Golden Gate Park? Uh, you know, that could be on the list. That's what I was going to ask you. Is there something you should well, suggest? In, in, there's so Someone else suggested Golden Gate Park, too. Gate and that's Park by the Botan uh, yeah. Botanical Rose yes. Garden and the Science yeah. Center. Yes. There, there's some incredible things in, in the uh, Golden Gate Park itself. It may rain tomorrow, though. Yeah. And then if, the, if that were the case, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't always go to Chinatown, go figure. Um, and Japantown's got its own thing. Um, you can go to North Beach if you like Italian foods. And, 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 and that, there's a lot of a host of things there. They're next to Chinatown. Maybe catch a nice spaghetti western. Uh, if they've got some, maybe on, maybe on video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, if it don't rain, I mean, if it rains, that's going to screw the botanical garden too. So don't hold me to that, but we'll get some good footage for you, I promise. And yeah. G, it's a pleasure. Thank you for coming. Right, I'll have you sooner Thank or later. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I love coming down here and visiting. Oh, yeah, we'll try, we'll try to do it again next weekend. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. All Drive right. safe, brother. Thank you. You too. You too. Uh, oh, and we'll have some Gouda and crackers. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Put some cheese on there. Thank you. Throw some cheese on that. <laughs> Later, everybody.